0: Welcome to the podcast here at FamilyVisionMedia.org. So glad to have with us today Dr. Carol Lieberman. She is a psychiatrist and best-selling author, Emmy-honored TV and radio talk show host. Her website is expert forensic psychiatrist.com. You can click the link in the show notes to head right over there. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Lieberman. Well,
1: thank you for having me.
0: So let's start off with um, something that I think we see a lot of people kind of Bumble over on television and maybe a little on radio where they're discussing President Biden's cognitive abilities and his fitness as president. And he was even asked about this in the most recent appearance of his on 60 Minutes. And it was quite a sight to behold because he kind of laughed it off. But it's a very serious issue having a president who might be suffering from cognitive decline.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I did happen to see that. Um, Boy, that was a puff piece. If ever there was one, you know, making him look, uh, seem much better than, than he actually is. But yes, as a forensic psychiatrist and an expert witness, I have had many cases where the issue was whether somebody was competent to sign a particular form, like a will, for example. So I'm familiar with the tests of competency. And uh, I have actually been trying to warn people about Biden's what I call encroaching dementia since the time he was running for president, even before he was president, when he was in his basement. And he has only gotten worse and worse since then. It has been encroaching uh, ever more since then. And yes, it is incredibly serious. You know, nowadays, uh, I mean, at that time when he was running, people would make a joke at him and say, oh, that's just Joe. He makes gas. It's nothing really to worry about and so on. But, you know, as time has gone by, more people, you don't have to be a psychiatrist these days to see that he is suffering from well-encroaching dementia.
0: So what's the response here? What are the American people to think when we see him having all of these difficulties, yet he refuses to acknowledge them and seems a bit oblivious?
1: Well, I think the response should be the 25th Amendment. That's what that was made for. Um, He has gotten us. and is still getting us into all kinds of problems. I think one of the things that he did that made it really clear that it was a symptom of dementia, I mean, besides other things, too, you know, his his policies or his way of thinking as a puppet under Obama, um, the debacle in Afghanistan. Now, what that displayed in terms of the symptoms of dementia was a very impaired analytic Reasoning and ability to to have abstract or analytic thinking, meaning the kind of thinking that people have who are good chess players, you know, where you can hold several different strategies in your mind at once, and then be able to go through them in your mind and figure out what is the best. And then if the opponent does this, then you do this, and so on. And when uh, the Taliban didn't cooperate. <laughs> Um, with his plan A, he didn't have a plan B or C, and he wasn't listening to his advisors.
0: So there was no plan no and no backup plans, which is kind of a symptom of no planning. And then the advisors who could assist and kind of make up for the deficiencies are not heeded. And that's pretty typical for people who are suffering from dementia or cognitive decline, isn't it?
1: Yes, that's a very good point. That's right. Because they don't want to acknowledge, they're in denial about just how compromised their thinking is.
0: So, again, 25th Amendment, but until then, what should the Republicans plan on doing when they take back the House, hopefully, and the Senate in November?
1: Well, uh, you, mean, you mean, well, at that point, hopefully they would do that. And actually, I, I, it is somewhat frustrating that more Republicans haven't done more. Um, I mean, I know it's hard with the numbers and so on, how many Republicans, how many Democrats, you know, I get it. But um, he's, he's doing so many mistakes. And, you know, to go back for a minute to the competency issue, when I was talking about how I have to decide that as to whether this person in a court case was able, was competent enough to sign something and when it should still go according to what that person said. Really, you know, it could be considered that because Biden wasn't competent when he signed certain things like all these different executive orders and so on, I think that one could make a good case for going back on those things. In other words, uh, not implementing them, canceling them. That would be nice for a change to get. <laughs> yes, him. it would. <laughs> yeah, it
0: would be such a relief, wouldn't it, to just say these things were enacted by someone who really wasn't all there. Therefore, right. we will not be doing them,
1: yes, and there's so much, starting with the border, <laughs> that would be one of the good things to change,
0: yeah, one of the things that we would want to uh i mean really push back on, so uh, let's see if we can kind of unpack and and obviously, you're an expert. it's not like you know um kind of lay people sitting around discussing what we think might be happening. The hallmarks of cognitive decline are are obvious and evident with President Biden. But that leads to something else that the left is doing, and it's traumatizing America's children with this obsession with sex and gender. It's almost as if it's the only thing they care about outside of abortion. I I, I mean, I've never seen anything like it.
1: Yes, it is destroying our children. It's part of their larger agenda to destroy the American family. I think it's also part of an agenda to co- have population control, as are the vaccines. You know, it's so interesting. Biden, on the one hand, says uh, the pandemic is over. And we, we really, I mean, you know, it's hard to say that. It certainly seems like the the um, major part of it is over. But put, putting that aside, I mean, if the pandemic is over, then why is he firing teachers and police and military if they won't take a vaccine? I mean, there are just so many crazy kinds of things. And getting back to the kids, because, yes, I feel very strongly about that. You know, children, there is no way that children are able to decide for themselves, to understand what they're deciding when they're in elementary school or even in middle school, or really just for most children, even in high school. Because, um, you know, if and I'm certainly not saying, you know, if someone has uh, inclinations, you know, like if someone um, realizes that they're attracted, like if a a young boy realizes he's or believes he's attracted to boys and he wants to have sex with boys on his own, his natural impulse, that's one thing. But to be provided with books, uh, instruction manuals on how to have sex with people of the same sex, and um, and then how to realize that your, all your problems come from the fact that you are, have have gender dysphoria. And if you just start on the way to becoming trans, you will be fine. And the problem is, especially nowadays with kids, you know, not having been to school for two years and all that, and with kids realizing that the state of the world is, is in such bad shape, that they are depressed, you know. It's kind of normal, really when you think about it, that they're anxious and depressed. If I was a kid uh, facing some of the things, hearing one night of news, for example, or looking on the Internet, you know, it's reasonable to be uh, concerned, depressed. Where is this world going? So, but, but the teachers who seem to have sprung out of the woodwork, but, you know, now we're realizing that really they have been infiltrating for longer than we realized, the teachers, of course, are encouraging them and telling them, you know, as I said, like, everything will be will be fine if you just change from being a boy to a girl or a girl to a boy. And kids have normal phases. You know, there was this thing, there still is this thing called a tomboy, a girl who likes to climb trees, for example. That's sort of the classic way of looking at it. That doesn't mean she wants to be a boy because she likes to climb trees or she likes to play baseball or even football. Um, these are phases, and I have treated many patients where uh, they go through these phases and, you know, are boys who try on their mother's clothes. Sometimes that can mean something, but most of the time, it just means, you know, they want to, sometimes they want to get closer to her or they want to feel, you know, she seems to... Uh, be excited or have fun when she puts on this dress or her high heels. I mean, you have to figure it out for each child. But children are feeling so isolated and lonely and confused that it is easy to convince them that the grass is greener. If they just change their sex, they'll be happier. And then, of course, we're seeing more reports of cases where you know people did change, uh, did get hormones and got uh, surgery and all of that. And now they want to transition back.
0: Right. and But after, so here's the, I think the dastardly thing about this, because I just remember Dr. Lieberman being in high school and there were some girls who, I, I remember, so, so I, I, my dad was in the army. So there were some kids I knew for longer than three or four years, but most of them, you could, I would know them for at longest three or four years. And then their parent would get transferred somewhere else. And, you know, we might write letters or this is before email was a really big thing. So you know, you didn't see all of the iterations of a person. But I just remembered meeting back up with these people on Facebook. When Facebook became a thing, everyone in the world just reconnected. And, you know, someone you might have known in fifth grade could search you out. And you would literally look at them and think, is my memory failing me? Or were you like the biggest tomboy ever in fifth grade? And the woman you're looking at on the Facebook image is a beauty queen almost. It's like the most feminine person you've ever seen. And vice versa, boys who were kind of skinny and really, they were kind of seen as weaklings. You know, they're as adults, they're muscular and, you know, wearing a sharp suit and, you know, running a company. So the thing that you are in childhood a lot of times we'll say, oh, you look the same, you know, you look exactly the same as you did when you were, you know, 20 or 18. And you know, the person is 60, they look the same, they look the same, but that's about it. Isn't it true that all of us undergo multiple metamorphoses from during our K through 12 childhood years. And then so the the thing is not to have a child get stuck in one spot, because I remember the goth kids, and how kind of almost scary they were, and they're all functioning adults now. Like none of them are murderers or none of them are even actors. They're just regular people.
1: They're running tech companies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: at least. I mean, or, or pizzerias. I mean, you, you
1: name it, they're doing it. Yes, yes. You know, it's kind of like, um, what was that called? Mr. Potato Head. You know, when we're growing up, we try on different noses, different ears, things like that. Until we find our identity, but when we're told, "Oh, well, you are this, and therefore you should do this," it is hard to resist, especially if this is a child whose parents aren't very involved with them, and they kind of, uh, you know, like the the fact that a teacher is spending so much time with them. So yes, it is really, really devastating because yes, you know, and and they try to say. That um, if kids don't get hormones, you know, first of all, the the, uh, psychiatric evaluation as to whether someone has gender dysphoria is either non-existent or it's an hour. And you certainly cannot tell whether someone has true gender dysphoria that would be um, fixed by, you know, getting hormones or surgeries or whatever without speaking with him for over a much longer period of time, you know, over weeks and months and, you know, years, (laughs) preferably. And there was something the other day I saw, maybe you saw it about, there was a a poll or a study about parents. It was this website or an app or something called Whispers. I've never really been on it, but that's what it said in the article, where people share their secrets. And what the article was about was how um, there were many fathers who wanted boys and they got girls and many mothers who wanted girls and they got boys. And, you know, that is part of it too, uh, that even if the parent doesn't tell their child, Oh, I wish you were a boy, for example, um, the child gets that message. You know, the parent's disappointment comes out. And, and so some children think, you know, that they want to change because of course they want their parent to love them. Well, they do, but
0: I think that the issue here is so there's an agenda and that you you mentioned population control one way to stop people from reproducing one way to cut a person's line off is to convince their children that they're in the wrong body and then allow them to take hormones for an irreversible change and I I brought up you know my childhood experiences and you know the kind of the surprise that everyone experiences someone you haven't seen in 20 years if you last saw them as a child you are probably going to be surprised by who they are as an adult. And, you know, sometimes it's it's very typical. It was the class clown is now a comedian. The person who was most popular and most beautiful is still very popular and beautiful, only they're now married, you know, with a family. Um, those those things carry on. For a lot of kids, the metamorphosis that I was referring to, and you know, in layman's terms, it really is very real and it happens to a huge chunk of the kids. And so these gender treatments Actually stop that metamorphosis dead yeah. track and put you on a track that is irreversible, so you know the thing about the goth kids and the ones who use the valley girl voice and said like all the time these are not things that you can't grow out of. you can okay. always just wash the makeup off, buy clothing that's normal colored, and you're no longer goth with the gender treatments, the surgeries the hormones the hormones i so the surgeries are dastardly it's evil, but the yeah. hormones are too because They basically sterilize you. So then later when and there are a lot of Americans who suffer from infertility and they haven't done any of these things. They just for some reason are unable to have children. And it's such a tragedy for them. But to see perfectly healthy children being convinced to take hormones that will render them sterile. It's almost like it's it's out of the movies, only it's happening in America all the time.
1: Yes, I know when couples who are sterile. I mean, they they're so devastated and so on. And here, are people who do this willingly, and and then they realize later, you know. And and the thing is, people who are encouraging this, like teachers and so on, don't tell them about the, you know, about the after effects. I mean, what can happen? I mean, they they downplay that, like that you won't be able to have children again, or like you know when they're suggesting that you have a hysterectomy, for example. Oh, that'll make you feel so much better because you won't have the you know, the women's female parts in you and all that, you'll you'll be so much happier. And, you know, also, of course, it's on the Internet in different, uh, you know, places like TikTok and so on. And I don't know why. Maybe you can answer this. I don't know why TikTok is still allowed to, to operate and is growing because, I mean, like, everybody knows, well, not necessarily everybody, but most people know. If you're informed, you know that TikTok is owned by the communist Chinese regime. So do you think it's a coincidence that they tell kids to do these challenges that end up killing them?
0: Mm. And so we don't even think about that. I know I stopped using TikTok. I had one of those, you know, my account name was a number because I didn't know how to set it up properly. And so it, it was like ID and then a whole bunch of numbers. And I used it to watch videos of, you know, little child prodigies and uh, funny videos of moms complaining about life and things like that. And then President Trump said it was basically an information collection tool for the Chinese Communist Party. And I right. deleted my account and I deleted the app. And, you know, I would get a reminder every week to re-download it, to use it. You know, it was like the the thing had a mind of its own, you know, yeah. take me back. You need me. You need to watch yeah. my, my, little, my little thing. So Uh, Instagram launched Reels and Reels is, you know, as as much as we don't love Facebook, they're an American company and they have limits on what data they can collect. And so I I was like, well, this is what I can do is I can watch these Reels and, you know, they're not as onto the moment as the TikToks were, but I also don't have to worry about some Chinese government official having every, you know, background of my home. You know, every time I'm looking at it, they're collecting image on your face and your expressions. And so, um I kind of I kind of you know made peace with the idea of letting it go. And while I was doing that and I think there were a few hundred thousand of us who jumped off there were literally millions of people who discovered TikTok mm-hmm. because of what President Trump said and dove in. Like they dove in head first because Trump said it was bad. And apparently, <laughs> you know, breathing air, yeah. Trump likes that. So I guess, the, you know, half the country should suffocate themselves. Yeah. So it has become a real problem. And they, they've only ramped up their data collection. They actually are using the fact that Americans are so headstrong against President Trump as a way to increase their market share. And now they have these secret rooms. You can go on TikTok and find, I just learned about this, you can go on TikTok and find um, affinity groups for if you're struggling with your gender. They will refer you outside of TikTok to secret meeting rooms. And then you go in those secret meeting rooms, you get a login and a password, and you're dealing with sick adults who are helping you to complete your gender transition. And then, of course, they want to you know, they want to groom you and make you someone who's available for them to, uh, uh, you know, obviously they're predators. Um, yeah. And so this this is all happening under the guise of parents, you know, their kids are on this app. And I think to myself, you know, don't parents have any control anymore? I remember talking to my kids about how Facebook had run those ads and they'd, they'd had those data breaches. This was years ago um, before people started leaving Facebook. And this was on vacation. I was just reading a couple of stories. And I was thinking about doing a segment on my radio show back then when we got back from vacation. Just based off of that conversation, my son deleted his Facebook account, and he's never gone back. He's he's now 21 mm-hmm. years old. This is six or seven years ago. He still doesn't have a Facebook account. My daughters eventually deleted their Facebook accounts, and then they deleted their Instagram accounts. Now, mm-hmm. I think they since have started Instagram accounts again but they don't have TikTok because they consider TikTok to be the worst of all of the apps. Um, so it's possible to convince our kids that these are bad things, but I don't know that we're even trying. Like, if you look at the proliferation of TikTok, are parents even trying, Dr. Lieberman?
1: I Not many of them, not the majority. Um, you know, parents these days want to be friends with their kids. they stop stopped being parents. And of course, you know, uh, in part, it's, because of all this competition with teachers who are telling them one thing or their friends, of course, who are telling them another thing. But, yes, parents should still, um, you know, rule the roost and explain. I mean, not like in just a very malignant or cruel kind of way, but like in explaining why these things are wrong. And if you have kids who are reasonable, which hopefully is what you're trying to grow them as, Um, they will understand and they can make that, realize that decision. Or, you know, I'm not not doing this because my mommy says to not do it. I'm, I'm doing it because I also don't want to give my information to China or things like that.
0: So now we have a choice to make as parents and as people who are maybe maybe your kids are adults, and you're they're, if they have if they don't have children of their own yet for you to influence, then you're looking at maybe you know looking at what's going on in your school board meetings because your property tax dollars are funding the books and the libraries on gender yeah. and the drag queen story hours, and so you still have an opportunity to make a difference. So what what do you recommend to people? Because you, you're an expert in this area. You also do uh, forensic testimony. You analyze people. You, you do all of these things. This is a lot of hard, uh, very specifically expert work that you do. So what would you recommend to podcast listeners on how they should approach this next phase of the battle over our culture?
1: Well, first of all, the earlier you can start, the better. But parents who are thinking, oh, well, my kid is already 13. If I lost them? Uh, no. I mean, you have to start now, you know, if you haven't done it already. In making a very close bond with your kids, first of all, getting them to realize they can trust you and tell you anything and everything. I mean, that's where things go wrong when the kids don't tell their parents about what they're worrying about or thinking about and so on. And I used to be the head of the National Coalition on TV Violence and i am very feel very strongly about media violence of all sorts especially video games because that all school shooters or mass shooters have been obsessed with violent video games so same things with with sex i mean if you can get your child to see the beauty in being whatever sex they are then they're not going to be easily convinced to be the other sex and also if you have a a good relationship and you know what's upsetting them, you can um, try to find solutions to that rather than telling them that, um, oh, well, if you just change your sex, everything's good. The grass isn't greener is the point. It's not going to be depressed and anxious and whatever it is that you are, even if you change your sex, it goes with you. You can't move away from the psychological aspects. In fact, studies have shown that people are more likely to commit suicide if they have changed their sex when it was really not. What they felt, um, not if they really weren't dysphoric, gender dysphoric, or they made this decision too early or whatever, those are the people who commit suicide,
0: yes, yes. And so, I you know, when you read that, I feel such a sense of, um, it's like you can feel the depression in the statistic kind of emanates outward. It, it is a dastardly thing for someone to feel like they're in the wrong body, and then in response to that, instead of care and counseling and the biblical approach, which is that we're all fallen, we've all struggled with something having to do with our body. I I think if we were to really, really be quite frank, Dr. Lieberman, about the things that we've struggled with with our bodies, and it could be, and I know that some people will say, oh, how can you compare that to gender dysphoria? If you're struggling with it, it's just as real as the struggle with gender dysphoria, and that is being overweight or being not the average size, right? Being a little too tall, a little too short, a little too round, uh, very, very thin. People are merciless and brutal to people who are extremely thin, Um, and especially if it's something that they – it's their natural body's tendency, high metabolism, low body fat – so they're not trying to be thin. They're just very thin. They they have trouble building muscle. These are These are people who exist in this world who suffer mightily at the verbal assaults that are leveled on them day in and day out by people who think they're just anorexic or mentally ill when they're really just thin. They're just thin people. Mm-hmm. Same thing with big boned people, people who are overweight, whether it's through their fault or that they have a metabolic issue. And so there are so many of us who you, you just carry it around with you and you don't really deal with it. And then for gender dysphoria, what we're doing is we're changing our entire culture to fit it. Right. We're, we're and we're also doing that for obese people as well, but um, it's not as deadly for obese people in the same way because a lot of obese people eventually come to the light and, you know, lose weight and, and become healthy again. But I, I think you can feel through these statistics, the suffering and the, abject misery of these children and young adults. And I feel like I see it when I encounter them in public. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so it is our duty to fight on their behalf, to prevent them from mutilating their bodies because they can actually come out of it and become attracted to the opposite sex and then marry and have children. And it's, it's like something you don't even remember. Like I don't remember all of the struggles I had in high school and junior high They're They're a long ways back. These people can have that experience, too. I don't I just can't believe we're going to allow literally maybe tens of thousands of people to go through the rest of their lives with bodies that don't function right anymore because of the way they felt when they were 12 or 13.
1: Yes, something does have to be done. And of course, another part of this is all the doctors who are profiting, you know, from uh, the surgeries and the hormones and all of all of the different things that go along with that. There's that to fight against, too.
0: So what would you say we should do?
1: I, well, the, the key thing is parents need to be much more involved with their kids. You know, the teachers wouldn't be able to do these things uh, in secret or even the, the Internet, like you were talking about the chat rooms and so on. They wouldn't be able to do those things if we were more um, on top of what was really how our kids were feeling at all, all the time, you know?
0: Yeah, I agree. Just the act as a parent of saying I'm involved I know what my kids are up to. Um, if they resist, think of it as when the toddler would resist going to bed or would resist being picked up. You didn't say, oh, my goodness, you don't want to be picked up. Well, go ahead and stay on the ground then and just leave them there. You pick them up anyway. Right. right we we right. did things our kids didn't want when they were smaller and they survived. And it's the same thing that has to happen now. The kids are going to resist and we are going to have to push through and get them to do it anyway.
1: Yes, in a loving way that makes them feel proud to be whatever sex they are. And I'm not saying, and I don't think you're saying that if it turns out that naturally later on they want to have sex with people of the same sex, we're not really saying that 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 shouldn't happen. But they need to be old enough to be making those choices, not pressured, not given propaganda to make the choices. Well,
0: I will say for my part um, as a Christian that I would discourage that in my adult kids. But as an adult... I would understand that ultimately the decision is theirs. But I believe in the proactive parenting during childhood and the affirmation of gender and proper gender roles during childhood. And then once they're adults, my job as their parent doesn't end. I can still advise them. I can pray. I can have a relationship with them and try to influence them as I would influence any other adult. But while they're kids, that's when the heavy lifting, yes. that's when we can really influence them, right? And that's when we can teach them to respect their gender. And then as they're adults, you know, adults do stuff. And all you can do as a parent is say, oh, that's great. Or, oh, okay, I'm I'm here. I'm your parent. I'm supporting you. Maybe you don't agree, but you're here as a parent and you keep the relationship. That's the way I look at it.
1: Yes, no, I agree with that.
0: And also, if I could just say, I think, you know, so a, a good relationship with your parents it's worth gold in today's culture. In 2022, how many people do we know that have great relationships with their parents? If there's anything you want to give your adult child that you're looking forward to, you know, that some people are really obsessed with investment accounts or leaving something tangible to their children, maybe the thing that you should work the hardest on is to have a great relationship with them as their parent. So you can continue to be involved in their lives when they hit these rocky points. Um, because they, I, I know people who've dabbled in same-sex attraction as adults and then come out of it, they tried it because they thought it was for them. They realized it wasn't. They came out of it. Their families stuck with them. They weathered the storm. There are some right, people who right. are still in it, and the families are still there with them, trying to support them. That's what families do. Families don't leave you. They stick with you, even, you know, what, whatever you're going through. That's, I think, what we should be working towards. Right.
1: No, I agree with that
0: it's always such a pleasure to talk to you um, having your expertise especially in times like these is invaluable thank you so much for joining me today and I will have we, we actually have the link for the uh, the website in the show notes and I just encourage everyone to go there and access those resources dr. Carol Lieberman psychiatrist best-selling author and Emmy honored TV and radio talk show host thank you for joining me today
1: Thank you. It was my pleasure.
0: All right. Talk to you again soon. And we will be back with more podcasts at Family Vision Media. Find out more on all of our social media channels, which you can find in the show notes. God bless you. See you next time.